So tonight we are going to delve into our topic, Jesus on Revelation's rapture, and I invite you to pray with me one more time, asking the Lord's blessing for our study. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are going to open up your word right now, and uh, we claim the promise of the Holy Spirit that he will guide us, he will teach us, and he will transform our lives according to your will. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start uh, by sharing a story, um, but often space, lunch, calls the attention and the imagination of many people. But there was one in particular a few years ago that really caught the attention of this nation and probably many other places of the world, and that was the Columbia Space Shuttle when they were returned to Earth. So it calls our attention, space uh, journeys, because we think of the space and uh, getting to know other places like the moon and other planets and stars and seeing all that. But this one in particular, what caught the attention was the re-entry when they were coming back to the planet Earth. If you remember the Columbus Space Shadow, there were seven astronauts there, but on their way back, something happened. The shadow broke, and those seven astronauts, they lost their lives in a moment. And of course, that was the reason that particular trip also caught the attention of many, many places in the world, especially this nation. But I want to talk about a particular journey, a spatial journey to uh, today that uh, will not end uh, in the same way that this one ended. This journey will not only begin well, it will what, everyone? End well. And I'm talking about uh, the returning of Jesus to take his people home. Our commander, Jesus Christ, is going to get us home and we will experience a space journey, a spatial journey going through the moon, our next uh, neighbor, so to speak, from this planet, and then go through all the planets of this galaxy, going to the nebula, and in that open space in Orion, we are going to enter with Jesus, our commander. The central theme of the book of Revelation is who, everyone? It's Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And in that book, we also find God's end-time plan for his people. And uh, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 14, if you will. We're going to the book of Revelation, and in chapter 14, that's right after the proclamation of the three angels' messages to the world, where the everlasting gospel is part of it, where we have an emphasis in the worship of the Creator God, we have also the exposure of Babylon, the beast, the image of the beast, and the mark of the beast. We have a presentation of God's end-time people in verse 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And then in verse 14, we have this glorious event that we find in Revelation. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud and one uh, and on the clouds sat one like the Son of Man. Who is this Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven here? 
this is Jesus. As we said, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Christ. And revelations introduce Jesus as one coming in the clouds of heaven. And then it says, having on his head a golden crown, implying that he will come as a king, no longer as a servant, no longer as one to give his life for sin, but he will come as a king. And in his hand a sharp sickle. Now go with me to Revelation 19, just a few chapters after. We're going to Revelation 19 and verse 11. We find again another picture, Revelation revealing Christ as the one who is coming as a king to this earth. And I want to call your attention to verse 11 and verse 14. Beginning verse 11, the Bible says, Then I saw heaven, what is the next word, everyone? Open, and behold, a white horse. And a white horse is a symbol of victory. It's a symbol as one coming to conquer. And he who sat on him was called, what is the name of the, of the horseman? Faithful and true. Who is this person who is riding this horse called Faithful and True? That's Jesus. And then the Bible says, And um, in righteousness he judges and make war. Notice in verse 14 what it says. And the armies in heaven, this is talking specifically of the holy angels as we are going to unpack this morning, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses as well. Friends, again, a white horse is a symbol of purity, victory, and triumph. So Revelation introduced Christ as coming again as one that has achieved victory. Victory over evil, over Satan and his power, over sin and over death. Now there are two main questions that often people ask about the return of Christ. I want you to see here in the slide with me for a moment. Uh, how will Jesus come back the second time? That's the first question, the manner of his coming. The second question is, how can I know that I will be, what everyone, ready when he comes? Is that an important question, yes or no? Most definitely. We want to know how Christ will come, and we want to know how we can be ready for that event. First of all, Christ's come will be what kind of event, everyone? A literal event, and I want to show that from scriptures, and I invite you to go with me to the book of Acts. We're going now to the book of Acts in chapter 1. We have Jesus spending time with his disciples there. And then after Jesus gave them instructions, the Bible says that the disciples, they saw Jesus ascending up to heaven. Ascending up to where, where everyone? To heaven. And I want to pick up the story in verse 11 because they were, you know, sad to see their Lord to depart to heaven. But they knew that there was a promise that he gave to them, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But an angel approached them and said these words in verse 11. The Bible says, This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, notice carefully, will so come in what, everyone? Like manner as you saw him going into heaven. So according to these angels, the coming of Christ will be in the same way that his ascension was as far as the ability to see Jesus going up and we will see Jesus also coming down. A real Christ ascended up to heaven. A real Christ will what, everyone? Will descend. Christ is coming down from above. He won't rise up from below. So let me 
now address this uh, question here or this topic here. Christ's coming will be what kind of event, everyone? A visible event as we've been discussing. I want to take you back to the book of Revelation now in chapter 1. So let's go there, if you will, to Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 7. And we will see that not only God's people will be able to see Jesus coming, but everyone will be able to see. How many people will be able to see? Everyone. Somehow that event will be a major event in the history of this world that no one will miss that event. Notice what the Bible says in verse 7 of Revelation 1. Behold, he is coming with what, everyone? Clouds, the same picture of Revelation 14, and how many eyes? Every eyes will see him. Friends, when the Bible says every eye will see him, we better believe that it will be a visible event, that not only God's people will be able to see, but everyone will be able to see. The Bible even goes on to say that even those that pierced him. Now, Christ's coming will be an audible event. Will be a, what kind of event, everyone? Audible, not only visible as we already saw, but also audible. And I'll take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, chapter 4, excuse me. We're going now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to see that it will be an event that will also be audible. And we need to see that from scriptures. We're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's read verse 16. Notice carefully what the Bible says pertaining to the coming of Jesus. The Bible says, for the Lord himself, who is the Lord here? That's Jesus. The Lord himself shall, what is the next word, everyone? Descend from heaven with, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Friends, I don't know how loud is the trumpet of God, but I know that God can blow. And it can be audible. He will come with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall, what, everyone? Rise first. Friends. It will be so audible that even the dead will hear the voice of Christ coming. Would you say amen for that? will be that, uh, that uh, audible, that event. And friends, we see here that another major event is connected with the coming of Christ. It says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Friends, what a beautiful promise that we have especially for those in our midst that have lost loved ones. Christ is promising to come again. And when he comes, those that died in Christ will rise again. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Yes, he is promising to restore families, to give back your loved one that you have lost. We find in verse 17 in the same passage there, then we which are alive, those that will see Jesus coming without experiencing death, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them that were resurrected in the clouds to meet the Lord, where everyone? In the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So Christ will not come and put his, foot, his feet on this earth. He will meet his people in the air, and that's already a sign of a false or a counterfeit coming of Christ. Whenever you see somebody professing to be Christ here on earth, you know it's a false Christ because Christ will meet his people in the air. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going there now to 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. Notice carefully what the Bible says concerning that promise. And I want you to see that because at the same time that there is a beautiful promise here of resurrection, 
there is a misunderstanding in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that some people believe that the coming of Christ will be in a twinkly of an eye. What kind of coming some people believe? In a twinkly of an eye. And I want to just address that for a moment here. Notice what it says here. Behold, in verse 51, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 51. The Bible says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. This is Paul writing to the church. We shall not all, whatever you want, sleep. Is he talking about sleeping problem here, yes or no? Not at all. He's talking that not everyone will experience what, everyone? Death. Not everyone will die, but we shall all be, what's the next word, everyone? Changed. You know, how quick will be that change? In a moment, in a twinkly of an eye, at the, whatever you want, the last trumpet. So some people understand that the change of our body into a glorious body, they believe that that change in a moment, in a twinkly of an eye, is actually some form of secret, secret rapture. Like you blink your eyes and it, it's gone. But that's not what the text is saying. We're going to continue to unpack that uh, this morning. But you see here that it's not talking about the coming of Christ in a twinkling of an eye, but it's talking about the change of our bodies in a twinkling of an eye. Notice the verse goes on to say, For the trumpet will, what everyone, sound, will be an audible event, just like we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the dead will be, what everyone, raised incorruptible. So there will be a resurrection when we hear the sound of that trumpet. And, and we shall be, what is the next word? changed in a twinkling of an eye and then it says in verse 53 for this corruptible talking about our mortal bodies must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on what everyone immortality that's why we call the coming of christ the blessed hope it is the hope of resurrection it is the hope of reconciling or or coming together with the ones that we love it is the hope also of restoring our health and having a glorious body, an immortal body. Now, let me take you to the book of Matthew. Let's go to the, the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, he spends a lot of time. That's Jesus himself. He spends a lot of time talking about his coming. So if Jesus himself spent a lot of time talking about his coming, the book of Revelation he spends a lot of time talking about the second coming of Jesus. It must be what kind of event? Is that important or unimportant? It must be important. He even talks about deception in the last days pertaining to his coming. But we must keep in mind that the coming of Christ will be a glorious event. What kind of event, everyone? A glorious event. Notice here in Matthew 24, verse 26, Jesus says, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is where, everyone? In the desert, do not go out. If anybody says to you about the coming of Christ, that his come will be secret, somewhere that nobody else saw it. And then the message says, do not go out. And then the very next verse, making a contrast with this kind of approach that Christ will come secretly, the Bible says, as Jesus is speaking, for as the lightning comes from where, everyone? The east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Friends, the real Christ is coming in the sky. And it will be a visible and audible event when the dead in Christ will rise. And we are going to go through that journey, that spatial journey. 
That journey that will have a happy ending. Now, you're here in Matthew chapter 24. I want to just read a couple verses here to summarize what we already saw this morning. We are in Matthew 24, and we are starting now in verse 30. Notice carefully what the Bible says. The Son of Man will, what is the next word, everyone? Appear in heaven, so it will be visible. And then all the tribes of the earth will, what, everyone? Mourn, and they will, what is the next word? See the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then verse 31, the Bible says, And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. It will be audible. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. So we see the two groups of people, some mourning, and some are being gathered to meet the Lord in the air with the assistance of the holy angels. Christ's coming will be a climatic event in the history of this planet, in the history of this universe, when Christ will put an end in suffering that we experience, where he will again give back the ones that we have lost. Perhaps as I speak here this morning, someone Someone here has the heart burdened with a loss. Perhaps you have lost your husband or your wife. You have lost even a child. Or you have lost your sister, your brother, or your parents. Christ is promising one day to give them back to you. Notice what we find in Isaiah 25 verse 9 just quickly here. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be what, everyone? Glad and rejoice in his salvation. Friends, Christ wants to rescue us from the guilt of sin. He offers justification. He wants to save us from the power of sin. He offers us sanctification. He wants to rescue us from the presence of sin. He offers us glorification at his coming. What happens when Jesus comes? Just a quick review here, and I'm going to continue to unpack that. But quickly here, we have earthquake, and the, the earth is desolated at the presence of Jesus, as we have studied also in previous nights. Righteous dead raised. And then what happens next? Righteous living changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Immortality bestowed. Wicked living destroyed, and we're going to see that in a little bit again. And then righteous welcome Christ. And finally, righteous go to heaven. What about the secret rapture? As many people uh, promote, we, we even have a, a famous movie called, uh, what's the name of the movie? Do you remember? Left Behind. And of course, uh, we cannot base our faith in a movie, even if it is a, a Christian movie, and we see more and more stories from the Bible being used in movies, but of course, many times, not all the time, but many times, the details, or even not even the details, but uh, major points are changed, and we need to base our faith on the Word of God. Let me take you here to Matthew 24. You're probably there still. We are reading verse 36. So let's talk about this secret rapture. Is that really biblical? We begin to see already that uh, Jesus will not come in a twinkling of an eye, but the transformation of our bodies will be in a twinkling of an eye. 
Now, notice this verse here because some people say, how about the verses that says that Christ will come as a thief in the night? Are you familiar with that passage? Is he really talking about, you know, the manner of Jesus coming, how he will come, or is he talking about the time that he will come? So let's see what the Bible says here. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. I want you to see now the emphasis that Christ gives. The Bible says, but of that day... Talking about his coming. An hour, how many people knows? No one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, notice in verse 43, we're talking about not knowing the day, not knowing the hour of Jesus' coming. Verse 43, the Bible says, But know this, that if the master of the house had, what is the next word, everyone? Had known what hour the thief would come, he would have what if you want? Watch it and not allow his house to be broken into. Can you see that the emphasis here is the time of Jesus coming? It will come in a time that people don't expect. Like, for instance, the coming of a thief in the night. We don't expect the coming. Therefore, he's addressing the time, not the manner of Christ's coming. When Jesus comes as a thief, the world will not expect it. That's the message that Christ is communicating. Notice, if that's not clear, notice the very next verse that we just read. Matthew 24, verse 44, the Bible says, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not, whatever you want, you do not expect. In fact, if we go to Second Peter, what book are we going now? 2 Peter, let's go there, if you will. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to show the same expression here connected with the coming of Jesus, but it shows that it is a very visible event that will take place. We are going to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we are going to read verse 10. Let's start in verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. But the day of the Lord will come as a what, everyone? A thief in the night. And you already know it's talking about the second coming of Jesus. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens will pass away with a great, what everyone? Noise. So Christ coming as a thief in the night. Does that mean that nobody will see? Is that what it means? Nobody will hear? Is that what it means? Not at all. But he will come with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will burn up. It will be a visible event. It will be an you know, audible event. The second coming is a surprise to what kind of people, everyone? The unprepared. And Christ is warning in his discourse in Matthew 24 that we, we need to prepare ourselves for that event. We need to be ready for Christ's coming. We need to be ready every day, in fact, because tomorrow is not promised. Notice what we find here. Now, the next question. What about the expression, one taken and the other, what, everyone? Laughed. We find that back in Matthew 24. Let's see what the Bible has to say there. Uh, you know, that's you know, kind of uh, the, 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 the emphasis given for those that promote the Left Behind series or theology. Notice what it says in Matthew 24, and we are reading verse 40. 
we find uh, this analogy here that we need to understand uh, in the context. In what, everyone? In the context. The Bible says, then two men will be in the field. One will be, what, everyone? Taken and the other left. Even give also an example of two women, one taken, the other left. Now, let me show you the verses prior so we can understand this analogy here, what Christ is actually saying. One taken, the other left. He begins in verse 37 saying this. Notice carefully. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be what event, everyone? The coming of the Son of Man. Okay? So he compares the coming of Christ with the days of Noah, with what happens in the flood. So some were taken. Who were taken that were spared in the days of Noah? Noah and his family. They were taken. And then some were left. Who were those that were left? Everyone that didn't believe, right? That were living, according to Genesis chapter 6, their thoughts were continually evil. Okay? So the one that was left, and we already know who they are, it's not Noah's family and himself, but the ones that were left outside of the ark, were they left alive? Or were they destroyed? They were destroyed. Okay, so they were destroyed. So one was taken, the, the others were left, but they were destroyed. And then in Luke chapter 17, the same discourse, Jesus says, Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Friends, in the same chapter, in Luke chapter 17, he used that same analogy. You know, like one man will be taken, the other will be left. And he compares with the days of Lot. Who was taken in the days of Lot out of the city of, you know, that, you know for, for not to perish? You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed with that fire that came from God. And Lot and his daughters, right, came out because the wife looked back. Okay, her heart was in... In Sodom, it was in Gomorrah, in that lifestyle. She looked back, showing where the treasure of her heart was, actually, and not with God, and, uh, and uh, she perished. So they were taking Lot and his daughters. And who was left? The whole town, right? The cities. Now, the ones that were left, were they left alive or were they destroyed? They were destroyed. Friends, the ones that are left. Friends, Jesus is talking about two classes of people. One saved like Noah and like Lot, and the other lost like the people that lived before the flood and also the people that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me take you now to First, Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's go there quickly, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. And I want you to see that that's the same imagery we find in the Bible. We find that Christ will come in the clouds of heaven, and there will be how many groups when Christ comes? Two groups. One will be taken, the other will be left. And according to the Bible, according to the analogy that Jesus gave, the ones that are left, they will be destroyed. Are we together? So notice what it says here. We are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We are beginning verse 7, and I'm just going in a sentence ahead here. When the Lord Jesus is, what is the next word, everyone? 
revealed from heaven. This is talking about his second coming with his mighty angels, as we saw also in other passages. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, not because they didn't have an opportunity, but because they neglected to know God. Because Revelation chapter 24, verse 14, prior to the end, the gospel will be preached to the whole world under the power of the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says here. Taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice what it says next. These shall be, what is the next word, everyone? Punish with everlasting, what is the next word? Destruction. That's what happens with the wicked at the occasion of Jesus' second coming. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And then it goes on to say, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who, what is the next word? To believe because our testimony among you was believed. So those that were prepared, those that were prepared, they will receive Christ and Christ will rejoice over them. Therefore, friends, there is no second opportunity after Christ comes. The time to get serious about your salvation is when, everyone? It is now. And that's exactly what we find in scriptures. I invite you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to see the invitation that we have there. We are going to 2 Corinthians now. And uh, I told you in the beginning, if you're ready to study the Bible, you told me that you were. So that's why we're going through so many Bible verses this morning. We're going now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 2. So notice what it says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, the Bible says, For he says, In acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. When is the accepted time? Now. Behold, now is the day of what, everyone? Of salvation. Friends, we cannot postpone our decision we cannot uh, live our lives as though nothing is going to take place in the near future we cannot live our lives like uh, the people before the flood or the people that were in Sodom and Gomorrah our eternal destiny is being settled by the choices we make when everyone today right now as we make choices and Christ, he wants to actually give us the promise. He wants his coming to be a day of rejoicing. But for some will be a day of rejoicing and for others will be a, a day of mourning. I want to take you to John chapter 14. Let's go there as we are coming to a close in our message this morning. We're going to John chapter 14. And that's when we find the promise that Christ gave to his disciples. And it's always good for us to remind ourselves. In John chapter 14, we are beginning in verse 2. And by the way, we should begin in verse 1. So beautifully put here. Let not your heart be troubled. Many things will happen on this earth that will cause many to despair. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, notice what the Bible says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go for what purpose, friends? 
to prepare a place for you. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a beautiful promise to hold on? I go to prepare a place for you. And then it says in verse 3, And if I go, excuse me, let me go back here. In verse 3 it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the desire of Christ. You know, we find in the book of 1 Peter that, you know, in chapter 3, that he doesn't want any to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, but that's his desire. And friends, to be honestly, I thank God that Jesus hasn't come back yet. And I'll tell you why. Because if he had, I wouldn't be ready. And perhaps there is someone here this morning that is not ready, have never given his or her heart to Jesus. And Jesus is this morning appealing, give your heart. I want you to be part of that glorious event. Christ's coming will be a literal, visible, audible, glorious, a climatic and joyous event. Don't you want to be part of that event? Friends, let's meditate on this question here this morning. Is there anything that would keep you from being ready for the coming of Christ? Only you individually with God can answer that question. What is that in your life that is hindering you to be ready for that coming? What is that that is making you to postpone the decision that you know you should make? There is only one thing that can satisfy today and forever, and that is who, everyone? It's Jesus Christ. It's not the world. It's not materialism. It's not pleasures. None of those things can actually fulfill you in the long term. We all have a void inside our hearts, and I like to say that that void is in the shape of God. Only God can actually perfectly feed and fill that hole. I invite you this morning to give your heart to Jesus. If you have already done so, recommit your life to Him. Tell Him that you'd like Him to be the Lord of your life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we take the moment uh, to thank you again for the promise of your coming. And we thank you to know in your word that that day can be a joyous day, a glorious day, and that you have prepared a place for us. Father, we understand that you love us and you desire to be with us throughout eternity. At the same time, Lord, we recognize that uh, our hearts are often hardened and often we follow the inclination of the flesh. And Father, we would like to give you permission to take our hearts this morning. And we ask you, Lord, to cleanse us from unrighteousness. We pray for the righteousness of Christ to be ours. And we pray, Lord, that you fill us with your spirit. Father, perhaps many hearts were convicted this morning either here or watching online. 
And I pray, Lord, uh, that the conviction will only increase and not disappear. And I pray that the holy angels may draw near and your spirit may also be poured upon these individuals so that they, as Daniel made, make a decision to stand in your sign. And Father, the reality is that all of us need to recommit our lives to you. And this morning, we pray, Lord, for your power to overcome whatever is in our lives. And Father, as we depart from this temple this morning, we ask for your company. We also pray that you continue to be with us as we journey on this earth with the different challenges that we have. We pray for wisdom and guidance. And we pray for deliverance from situations that we may be in. Keep us all safe. Continue to build us up so we can be ready for this event, the second coming. But we pray in the name of Jesus, let everyone say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.